Welcome back to the Listen In Podcast. We are up to episode 111. Jake, what is that, a palindrome? Is that what that's called? That would be... Same front as it is backwards? Yeah, I think it would be a palindrome, and I don't know if there's a word for something that is all the same, like... Number? Yeah, or, number or letter. Yeah. Well, I don't think there's any words for that. Like, there, like AAA isn't a word. Right. Triple A. I don't know if there's right. like a, a special palindrome that's also the middle letter is the same like thing. Like a race car. Ra- right. Radar. <laughs> right. Which are not all the same letter. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But those are palindromes. No, they're not. Race car is like the coolest palindrome. Yes. Actually, the coolest palindrome is a man, a planet, canal, Panama. That's a palindrome. Oh, okay. That that's pretty cool. If you say that backwards, yeah, it's yeah. the same exact thing. Uh, so yeah, episode one hundred eleven, March eighth. We just got dumped on with snow we because did. you know why not? Yeah, I mean, because what happens in New England is like weather is sort of like an abusive partner with whom you're codependent. Seriously, no. Just hear hear this mm-hmm, metaphor mm-hmm, out, mm-hmm. as brutal as it is. Okay, because you. Kind of, it happens at one time. It, you hit, you get hit with a storm, and then the weather's sorry. The weather's like, I won't, like, I won't do it again. <laughs> oh my god! No, just hear me out. Okay, all right. All it right. happens a few more times. <laughs> yep. There's a few little incidents here and there. Yep. And you're like, all right, I, 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 I don't trust you, winter, mm-hmm. and you keep screwing me, and I, I'll let my guard down because in March. There's usually a couple weeks where it's like, oh, it's in the 50s, maybe even the 60s. Some years, 70s. Maybe we're back on track. And then it hits you with, like, seriously without Throws fail. Throws you down the stairs. Around St. Patrick's Day or the week before, you get blasted with an unexpected storm. And they're like, we got a foot of fucking snow this week, dude. Like, today know, we got I a know. foot of snow. And <laughs> yeah. it's just like, it, and it, you're like, why did I ever trust you, Winter? <laughs> right. Why right. did I trust that you would lay off yeah, and yeah. let spring come in? When does spring officially start? Uh, I think it's March 21st, isn't it? I think you're right. We do have daylight savings this this weekend. Yeah, it which is a huge, back, huge so we gain. Help. It, it's been it's been staying light out for later, which is good. Always always very helpful. Well, and what happens too around this time is like the snow doesn't last as long. No, no, you know this will be gone in like a week. It won't take long. It's already Two not really weeks. accumulating that much on the no, street. No, but believe it or not, listeners, this is not a podcast about weather or small talk <laughs> or abuse. <laughs> well, no, it's not about abuse. It's about music, and uh, this is a big week in terms of album releases, Sean. Yeah, yeah, we mentioned this last week. This is probably our biggest album release week so far yeah. in 2018. We had a lot of good ones. The four that we are going to be talking about are the new Titus Andronicus album, new Lucy Dacus, new Camp Cope, and new Soccer Mommy. Let's dive in first, Jake. With that new Titus Andronicus. Okay. Um, this is called A Productive Cough. It's the follow-up to their last album, The Most Lamentable Tragedy, which I believe is like a triple album. It's, uh, it's very long. Big, big artistic I've never statement. listened to that anymore. It's actually really good. Uh, for, it's for, really, really for good. For Titus, my um, exposure has been The Monitor many, many times. Um, I've listened to The Airing of Grievances a few times, and now this newest album. So there's some mm-hmm. gaps for me in their chronology. Uh, everything's really good. Yeah. Local business is good. Lamentable tragedy is good. Um, Stickles, Patrick Stickles, the lead singer and sort of songwriter, creative force behind the band, is an interesting guy. Very. I have not finished this podcast episode, but I would recommend people, if you like Bruce Springsteen, listen to uh, Celebration Rock. 
Stephen Hyden's, he's a writer for Uproxx. We've talked about him probably every other episode <laughs> Pretty much, for the yeah. duration Pretty of our much. show. Um, he's doing a series on Bruce Springsteen. And Stickles is on one of the episodes, and he comes across as like very studious. Oh, he's super smart. I think he's a literal genius. Well, yeah, it's interesting, man. He comes across like, because he, he was citing authors in in his in talking about yeah. Bruce Springsteen and um he was like referring to the author by their last name. He was like and and Hill notes that Springsteen on the like he was yes. like doing that shit that yes. you do in like an academic paper. It was like Dan Carlin being like end quote. Yeah, it was yeah. like that. And yeah. and uh I wanna say that that comes across on this album and others because while he writes music that's like punk or like even a little bit of that Heartland rock mm-hmm. kind of thing, or mm-hmm. it's actually very Springsteen esque some of the stuff he does. Very um, influenced by him. It feels very learned, if that makes yeah. sense. It feels like he learned a style or various styles and is like citing his sources throughout music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think I mentioned this either last week or the week before um, about him that. He, or about most lamentable tragedy in particular. His, his lyrics are so good, they're so dense that you almost need to like explicate it like a like a poem. And he yeah. actually did that on uh, the lyric website Genius for oh, most, he most lamentable tragedy. You know, you can like put notes. Yeah, in. he did that for every single With his song. Own lyrics. Yeah, which was really really cool. I think he is probably one of the best uh, lyricists who are like kind of in their prime right now. And I. In terms of this new album, A Productive Cough, there, there's a few interesting things about it. First of all, I, I think this is kind of a lower stakes album yep. than some of his past work. In particular, The Monitor and Most Lamentable Tragedy. He's kind of fallen into a pattern of major artistic statement, followed up by almost, a, I don't want to call it a lesser release, but not as high of stakes. And that was the case with Local Business, where... He's like, I want to just kind of do like a normal rock record yeah. that we could just tour very easily. And it, then he followed that up with Lamentable Tragedy, which is a triple album, very ambitious. And he seems to be going back to kind of a lower stakes uh, release here with a productive cough. Which leads us to one of the major things we wanted to talk about and something that, I mean, maybe it seems obvious to some listeners, but I think it blew both of our minds a little bit Yeah, about how genius this album title actually is. So, I mean, it seems like Patrick Stickles with this this title is sort of like, I think this is kind of a cocky move because mm-hmm. he's saying like, look, we come out with these epic albums where I just am lyrically on point and, like, and, and just calling on all these influences and doing all these amazing things. And there's a concept and it, it, it's sort of these, these massive releases. This album is just, it's like a little cough. It's like a hiccup. It's like... It's a throat clearing. I, yeah, it's just a, here's just a little something I came up with. I tossed it off. It's, it's a cough, but it's a productive one. Right. Which is really interesting. It, I, I, I thought this was genius, and it dawned on me. I was like, huh, this album title is really interesting. I wonder why he called it that. And I was like, well, the music feels like more of a throat clearing before he does his next big thing. I was like, oh... That's really that is cocky because he's like even me just being like eh this is a a road apple for me before I do my next thing it's like it's pretty it's still pretty good yeah he's, yeah exactly he's like this isn't much but my not much is <laughs> is really good it's right. very, and it's productive and like there's interesting things on here um, 
I want to talk a little bit about what has been my sort of biggest takeaway from this so far. I think there's some good songs on here. The most interesting one to me is the Like a Rolling Stone cover. Yeah. Slash not really cover right. because he, well, it's definitely a cover, but he puts his own spin on it. And it's really, like, again, to go back to the idea of Patrick Stickles as sort of rock scholar slash right. musician, he's like a scholar practitioner. Um, he switches the subject of this song to be about, it's in the I. It's not in the second person, as Dylan sings it, where he's saying, you know, you did this, you did that. How does it feel to be on your own? Patrick Stickles is singing it from the perspective of, I, I know how it feels to be on my own. Mm-hmm. And all the things that Dylan is sort of, all the accusations he's levying against this sort of unseen second party in his song, Stickles is like, yep. I did all that. Yeah. Like, that's me. Which is really interesting. It's so cool that he did that. And it feels... It's such a Stickles thing to do. Because you're right. He is drawing on all of these influences. And this album in particular feels like an homage to a lot of those kind of classic rock. The Springsteens, the Dylans of the world. This album's less punk. It's more of that barroom rock feel. Barroom band. Yeah. Which is cool. And I think, you know, a cover like... Like I'm a Rolling Stone, um, is it's oh it's, it's as cocky as the album title is in a way. It is, dude. Yeah, but it's like you're taking one of the most critically acclaimed and popular songs of all time and putting this different spin on it in a really smart way. And it's interesting because like musically, it's like oh yeah, it's just like a cover of yeah, this, don't... and that's kind of it, it's a microcosm of the whole album where it's like this album taken at its face value isn't great musically it's like yeah this is pretty good the idea behind it all how this is just kind of a throat clearing or i'm doing a rolling uh, like a rolling stone cover i'm doing these little things it's cooler in and better i think in theory almost than it is in practice And, and for that reason i think i understand the negative pitchfork review of this although i don't agree with it i think right. it deserves higher than what it got what did it have like a five nine five nine yeah it deserves higher than that this does probably deserves somewhere in the sevens um yeah. i don't think i think they really took this album at like face value it, that, right. that's a score of like yeah uh, i'm not but, looking beyond what you know yeah but it's like almost i almost to in their defense which i hesitate to do at all it's almost like how else can you take it? Like, I, I it's know, almost like his, I, know. I feel like if you want to judge it on that, where it's like it's almost a statement on itself. Right. Does that make the music better? No. It might make it more interesting. Right. It's, and that's my whole thing with this album is it's interesting more than it's good. Right. I agree. Like I have probably listened to this like four or five times, yeah. and there's there's certain songs that I really really like on here, uh, like. Above the Bodega. That one's really is cool. really, really good. I really like Real Talk, dude. Real Talk is, is that great. Is the one about the storm? Is it the one where he's yeah, like, if yeah, the, yeah. the weather's as bad as the weatherman says, we're going to have yep. a real bad storm, a yep. real bad year or whatever? Yep, yep. that one's great. Um, Above the Bodega is great. Who is, do, do you know who is the female vocalist uh, who seems to sing on like all their records, at least one song? Yeah, I read that somewhere. I forget who it is. Uh, but she, she is, she sings on Crass Tattoo yeah. on this one. I, I forget what her name is. But she does a great job. She adds a, a kind of a, a delicate layer to the gravel voice of, of Patrick Stickles, which Here, is so, nice. So here's a trust tree, Sean, related yeah. to this album. Um, on the I'm Like a Rolling Stone cover, Yeah. Um, at the end, when, he, when they do that thing where they're like... Um, 
I feel like Mick Jagger. Yeah, Do yeah, you yeah. feel like Mick? I feel like Keith Richards. Yeah, Do you yeah. feel like Keith? Um, I didn't realize until this most recent listen that those are Rolling Stones. That's what he's oh, saying. I, I was like, oh, he's just referencing like 60s. Like He's like, don't forget about Brian Jones. Yeah. Yeah. I thought oh he was God. doing like, I thought it was just, he was sort of just making offhanded references. Yeah, I thought he to was rock too. stars. Yeah. But he goes through all the stones that, specifically. So he goes through makes a lot of Bill sense. Wyman and yep. Charlie Watts and then Brian yep. Jones. And I was like, oh, dumbass. I, like yeah. to myself. I was like, that's because those are Rolling Stones. <laughs> right. They're members I of the Rolling Stones. Did not pick up on that until right. you just pointed it out. Okay, so, so we both need some shade from yes, the trust tree. Yes, we do. We do. Overall, like I said, I, this is a good album. This is an interesting... This is more of a curiosity in the Titus Andronicus catalog than it is going to be one that I'm always returning to you know, years from now, like I am with The Monitor yeah. um, or, or even some of their other ones. So... I'm very excited to see what they do next. I think if you buy in to the Titus Andronicus and Patrick Stickles myth of them actually being one of the most like capital I important rock bands, then this is going to be really great. If you have not listened to them, don't listen to this album first. Listen to The Monitor. Yeah, definitely go with The Monitor. Um, uh, you know what else I was thinking? Not to cut off whatever thought you were having, but the um, I also had the thought about how a productive cough also kind of goes along with uh, Patrick Stickle's vocal style. Yeah, he yeah, always yeah. sounds like he's mid-cough. When <laughs> he he's does. singing, he, he sounds does. like he like is clearing his throat all the time. Yeah. I wonder if it, that is also some part of it where he's like, this is a, it's like a small productive version of that. I, it probably is. Could be some reference to that. Um, also, if you're interested in Patrick Stickles, I, I went on a deep dive of him probably like a year and a half ago and read like all of the interviews he did. Uh, during the Most Lamentable Tragedy uh, press tour. kind of, yeah. He did a lot, and mm -hmm. they were really, really good. He went into detail about how he um, has like manic depression and how that influences his writing and things like that. I would recommend seeking those out if you want to learn more about this guy because he is, I think, a true genius and yeah. one of the uh, most important lyricists and uh, artists working right now. Also, one of the best and fullest beards in music. Oh my god! Yeah, Holy shit. unbelievable. You know, with with beards, it helps to have a black it hair thing it going does. on. It does. And he he's got it yeah. going on. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He really Stickles really does. is a cool guy. Very. Um, the next album we wanted to get to is Historian, the new release um, from Lucy Dacus. Um, we got into Lucy Doc as well. I guess the world sort of got into her. Anyone who listens to her got into her with her debut album, uh, No Burden. Um, had songs like I Don't Want to Be Funny Anymore, um, Strange Torpedo, what's it, Troublemaker Doppelganger, mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. like that. Um, that was, I thought, I think we both really liked that album. Sean might have liked it a little bit more all the way through. Yeah, I, I, that actually shot up my end of the year ranks in 2016. It yeah. ranked pre pretty highly in terms of my favorite end of the year albums. So I was very excited to see that this one was coming. We also got to see her I, uh, a couple times. Or I saw her like I think two or three times. She opened yep. for Car Seat Headrest. She opened for that's right. It's Car Seat Headrest. Um, that's right. Hamilton Lighthouser. When I saw him, I think okay. she might have been at Boston Calling as well. Uh, so I got to see her kind of a lot and she was debuting some new songs that ended up on this record and i remember being at that car seat headrest show and she played time fighter which is on this new album i remember us being blown away by that We're yeah like, what is this like bluesy groove she's got going on here yeah um it seems like to me that lucy Dacus with this album has taken 
um, what was sort of a blueprint on No Burden on her first record and blown it out a little bit and expanded sort of, it's sort of a widescreen version. There's like a little more, some more texture, some more layers. She's doing slightly more complex things musically, I'd say. Um, and I think she's writing some really interesting songs. Mm-hmm. I think the opening track, Night Shift, is awesome. Mm-hmm. It's great. Um, the second half of it, when she goes into the, um, you work in 9 to 5, so I took the Night Shift. Great lyric and awesome. also like an awesome moment on the album. Yeah. Um, I will say that... I feel as though I need a little more time with this album like I would have with No Burden because the yeah. more and more I listen to someone like Lucy Dacus where I feel like her style is a little more lay back, let the music and vibe do, do sort of the mm-hmm. talking. Mm-hmm. She's not going to totally carry you home with some blow you away melody. No, um, but they slowly reveal themselves exactly. over time and that has started to happen to me with this album. I've been going back to it quite a bit this week. Um, and it has kind of revealed itself over time. I, I really, really like this album. I think it's right on par with No Burden. My yep. favorite song, and maybe it's just because I did hear it live and had that kind of memory of it, is Time Fighter, though. I, I think that song's awesome. The, there's a great lyric on there of, I fought time, it won in a landslide. I think okay, that is yeah. a really cool lyric. Um, some nice bluesy grooves on there as well. But yeah, overall, this is a really, really good album. I, I would recommend checking this out and her first record if you haven't heard either of them yet. I, I, I would recommend it as well. And I, I just wanted to point out that I, I sort of appreciated I was listening today and I realized that on the song, I think it's Body to Flame. I'm pretty sure it's that one. She's mixing in some like string section stuff yeah. that I thought was pretty cool and tasteful and like I think it kind of spoke to how effective it was that I didn't even notice it the first few times yeah. it just sort of fit the album and fit the song and then today I was like oh shit like yeah. she's fucking with violins now like <laughs> right, she, right. she's mixing it up a little bit and so it's pretty cool um, it and, and I agree it seems like a natural progression for her so yeah worth checking out so the next album we want to talk about is the new Camp Cope record yeah. how to socialize and make friends socialize Spelt the Australian way without a Z. It actually. So, how do you feel about that? First of all, it slightly bothers me that it's not a Z. Although I think it having the Z on there is like a little. It's a little too much if you actually think about it. I always felt it's such a crass American way to spell it. I yeah, that's exact. Like almost literally exactly what I was going to say. (laughs) Yeah, is that by embracing the Z, Americans are are clearly less refined. Than, it's so obvious. It's like any, socialize. Oh, it must be a Z. We're so yeah, fucking dumb. It feels dumb. Right? Americans are stupid. Yeah, yeah. In a lot of cases, truly stupid. God, um, I, yeah. I think there's a certain tastefulness to spelling it socialize. I, I do S. too. I do too. Ooh, Charlie Horse. Oh, um, yeah. That's no good during those, a podcast. Those hurt. Those they do. hurt. You know what else has been happening to me lately? Is my feet will cramp up. Like they'll like, like your arch in the arch. Oh and my it, like, god! It sort of curls in on itself. It and to... hurts so bad. I can like make myself do that like whenever I want. I got to be careful because sometimes I'll be stretching out my feet and I'm like, oh no, no, that slipped into a Charlie horse in my in my arch. I could do that right now as well. So with this album, um, I think it should be said that with Camp Cope um, on their uh, their sort of the last album, which was what was it a self titled their debut? Yeah, it's yeah, a self titled debut. Yeah, um, it came out also in 2016. You had a really strong relationship yes. with that album, yes. and I think we're really really into it. Yes, I loved it. It was one of my favorites of the year. Yeah. I also liked it. I never got into it at that same level. Um, I think I just maybe didn't connect with it as much. With this new album, I was really really excited, dude, because I the opener and how to socialize and make friends, the two singles. 
that came out of the the cycle coming before this album was released um, had me really excited. I think the opener is a great f- pure energy punk song um, with an awesome catchy bass line. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that How to Socialize and Make Friends is one of my favorite Camp Cope songs they've ever come out with. Uh, I am enjoying this album, but I, I'll say this. I, I feel like the formula of a Camp Cope song, they, they need to experiment with some other things because the, the general formula, as far as I can tell, is they strum a few chords, they have a nice little riff sort of going, a nice little groove, and then I forget, is it Georgia Mack, the lead singer? Is oh, I'm not name? sure. I think that's I actually, I don't remember. I think it's Mack with a Q. That's really cool. Which is fucking cool. Camp Cope is, th- this is ultimately my point. Camp Cope is a cooler band in image and in theory than they are for me musically. They're like yeah. the Sex Pistols. They're like one of these bands that I love in theory, and then I listen to a full album and I'm like, huh? Like to be frank, some of these songs don't totally hold together, and there's nothing that memorable about the melody or what's going on here from that perspective. I I, I really like instrumentally the sort of the grooves they come into and the overall tone and I appreciate the things they represent and a lot of her lyrics are great. Um, yes. I grow a little weary of Camp Cope as uh, on a full length listen. I okay. I agree with you on this new record. Um I think that first album really hit some emotional highs. The subject matter, the lyrics were all spot on. I think you could start to criticize that last song, was it Stove Lighter on that album? Or well, Song for Charlie. Song or, for Charlie. Those, those couple towards the end, you're like, okay, yeah, finishing on, you know, good song, I like it, but, you know, it's not, uh, you know, um, West Side or... Right, Lost. Right, or Lost. or Season 1 or whatever yeah, it's called. Yeah, yeah, or, or uh, Jet Fuel Can't Melt, Still Beams, etc. And, and I really like that, what's the second song on that? I can't remember, Tella something, I can't remember. There was a second track on that album I really liked, and I, can, I cannot remember. I'm blanking that. on all the titles right now. Yeah. So, so I was also very excited for this. Yeah. You're right, Camp Cope in general. They kind of caught fire after that album. They got, I think, were uh, pretty popular... Uh, we've gotten feedback from listeners about how much they they enjoy Camp Cope. Yep. Um, so and it's I, deserved. I don't mean yeah, to shit oh, yeah, on Camp yeah, Cope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great f- first record. And I was also very, very excited for this. Loved the opener. I think the subject matter, the lyrics, the vocal performance on the opener so is, cool. is among the best songs that they've ever done. Yeah, I agree. Um, the and, first two tracks, I think and, I agree and, with. And in general, I think this album has a little bit more of an edge to it than that first one does where they really go for some of those vocal highs on here yeah. uh, where she really goes for it vocally, which, which I really, really like. I will agree with you. Melody can sometimes be lacking. The chords end up kind of bleeding together on some of these songs, especially as you get towards the back half. Yeah. I think, you know, and this is, you know, probably four listens in for both of us. So that yeah. could change over time. But I will say first impression for me is also, you know, I really, really like this. I love those first two tracks. There's a handful of moments ar- across the rest of the album that I really do enjoy. I do wish there was a little more flair in the the formula. There was a little more seasoning on there, if that makes sense. I, I, th- I still think this is a, a very good album. It got yeah. a 7-8 from Pitchfork, which I think is a very fair score. I think that's right in the in the correct wheelhouse for it. Yeah. Um, 
it's good. I like the first album better so far. And I, I, I completely agree with you in that their lyrics, their image, their reputation as a band, I think is all better than maybe the, it's the songs themselves taken on their own. Exactly. I couldn't have said it better myself. And I think that they, they like, Camp Cope is really cool. They're really, really cool. They're great. But, like, am I going to listen to this album a ton of times? Maybe not. I right. might end up having How to Socialize and Make Friends in the opener on my best tracks right. of the year playlist. And, and you, so you brought up Song for Charlie, which brought up a point I wanted to make. So the song on this, I've Got You, and the song Song for Charlie on the last album. Of the Camp Cope formula songs, this is my least favorite formula. The first time I heard I've Got You, I was like... Oh, you're doing song for Charlie again, and the because it's sort of those the song where they're the any guitar player knows the two chords that she's switching between here. I think it's like a G and a C sus two, and it's like kind of just those two or, or three ish chords, maybe E minor, um, gets thrown in there. I again. This comes across as so fucking bitchy. I know that. I know, <laughs> but I sometimes when. With with like these songs where it's like, it's not going to be my favorite on the album, and there's not the cool band swagger to back it mm. up, and it's just like basically a guitar strumming, and the lyrics and vocals, it, it's just, it doesn't connect with me, man. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. do it for me. Song for Charlie never did. Right. This song doesn't. It's again like the lyrics are touching. It's about oh, clearly yeah. about her dad. Yeah, yeah. And I I, I think it would work just as well as a poem. Yeah. Does this need to be a song? Mm, I, Maybe not. Maybe like, not. That's a fair point. Like, what is she bringing to the table musically that means, like, oh, this has to be a song? Um, well, I think it, it to, just to play devil's advocate for yeah, this album, because I, 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 I do enjoy it. I, I, I like it. I think I might like it a little bit more than you. Kind of like the last album, too. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like yeah. The camp, whole Camp Cope thing is never completely added up to me. Right, right. I just um, got to be honest. So I do, I do want to play devil's advocate here for yeah. any of the listeners out there who might be like, hey, I'm all in on this album. Uh, I think it ties in with some of the themes of family and communication with family. Like, two of my favorite songs on here are Sagan, Indiana, and The Omen. And in particular, I think on The Omen, she's talking to, like, her mom, and she's like, when I tattooed my hands, like, you cried. or Yeah. And I was like, you know, I was never really going to work at the bank. And she has, a like, a nice kind of reckoning with her mother about kind of where she's at in life and where she wants to be compared to what her mom wants for her. And I think it kind of ties in with that theme. I think a song like The Omen is a better song. I do appreciate kind of the other perspective on it. And it's interesting. I feel like you don't get many songs about a father like this where it's no. like, hey, I like really appreciate you. Yeah. You know, and I'm glad you were like in my life. Especially coming from someone in this scene who's like in a punk band. That that is interesting. And again, I like look. Music should never be prescriptive. It shouldn't be like I don't want my comments to come across like there's only one reason to do music and that is to like write melodies because it's not right. the fucking it's not the case right unless you're Paul McCartney if you're McCartney you you do that or if you're John Lennon you release Plastic Ono Band which is lyric like lyrically super dense but right. melodically there's not all that much right. there compared to something McCartney would release so again I don't mean to say there are rules to music whatever what I will say is this is I think that if you were to ask someone, how does a Camp Cope song go? Like, hum for me how that song goes. Yeah. 
you kind of can't. And, and I, I, that's not what music's all about. Right. But it's a very, very, very important part for me. Yes. And, and we've talked on this podcast before about how, for you, lyrics are a harder selling point for a song if that's, like, all it's about. Yeah. And that that's fair. And for me, it's always been, that has always been a little bit more of a selling point for me. Yeah. And it's like, if the focal point is going to be lyrics... You have to be doing something that's very fucking compelling mm-hmm. otherwise. And I think they do on like songs like the first mm-hmm. couple tracks or some of the ones you're referencing. Um, but there are others where I feel like do the lyrics pack enough of a punch for me sure. that I'm like, yeah, that carries sure. this on its own. I don't always feel that way. I, I think that's fair enough. And and so I don't know. I, I, I'm, I feel sort of a couple ways about it because I do feel bad saying negative no, things no, about it. No, no, I, like I wouldn't feel bad. I think it's an honest take and I appreciate it because I I, I also, as much as I, I like this band and I like this album, that was my criticism too. I was like, well, it's good, but some of these songs sound the same right. toward, you know, as you go on and as you have repeat listens. So I think it is a fair criticism. I think at, we both like this album and recognize it's good. I think I might like it a little bit more. Um, yeah, I think you like Camp Cope in general. Yes, more yes. than I do. Full stop. Yes. Yep. Like yep. and and I'm like I'm. No, that's fine. Yeah, that's yeah. totally fine. Right. Uh, cool. So let's let's wrap up our uh, our new album talk here, Jake, with one that we sort of joked about in our release radar last week. Yeah. Um, this is Soccer Mommy with her album Clean, and we joked about it because if you've been a longtime listener, you know that we grow weary of the. <sighs> Soccer mommy, great grandpa, hockey dad, foxy dad, mom jeans kind of um, vein of band names. This is what it comes down to. Uh, Sean and I were raised uh, what's called Roman Catholic. <laughs> um, and and when, you, when you grow up Catholic and in houses that and in societies generally in in terms of new england and catholic schools in places that stifle emotion and stifle <laughs> connections and feelings saying the words mom and dad or mommy and daddy specifically uh send what i would call a chill up my spine that yes and we i would agree also saying jammies in conjunction with that I don't know what it is. I don't know. We might need to dive into this in therapy. Yeah. Oh, dude. But yeah. that being said, I think this album is excellent. I yeah. think of the four albums we have now talked about on this podcast that we listened to that came out this past week, this one is actually my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't really expect that to be the case, Jake, but I, I love it. I've been listening to this more than any of the other ones we just talked about. I think this is really, really good. It reminds me, in a way, of the Sydney Gish album that we love so much that came out earlier this year. I think both of them are around the same age, kind of doing similar stuff. Uh, real knack for lyrics and melody on here. Uh, I, I'm, I'm loving this. What, what do you think about it? Yeah, um, I agree. And I think um, for me to call it necessarily my favorite of these would be preemptive at this point. Um, I, I don't think I've listened to this album as many times as you have yet, but um, I will say that I was taken by surprise by a lot of cool things that I like. Like one thing I noticed on the first track, and there's a few things like this throughout the album where um, on I think it's still clean, the first song. Yep. There's a part at the end where it like kind of cuts out and goes into yeah. one side of yeah. your headphones. At it's, first, like, it's like she's singing off mic. Yeah, at first I thought that 
my headphones right. broke. I was like, oh shit, okay, this again. <laughs> or you gotta like clean out your other ear again. Yeah. How is that, by the way? Uh, I think they've regulated a little okay, bit. I told you that would happen. Yeah, for any yeah. listeners who uh, who don't know what the hell we're talking about, <laughs> um, I went to the doctor a few weeks ago and my doctor was looking in my ear and was like, ah, you've got some buildup of wax. <laughs> and he took this this metal, like big syringe like a baster and filled it with warm water and blasted my inner ear with it and what came out was an absolutely disgusting chunk of earwax is it weird that i have thought a lot about what that chunk of earwax looks like and it it doesn't gross me out it i actually want to see it because it like Do in I, a weird way is fulfilling no it, it doesn't uh, gross me out that you think that in fact big big friend of the pod mary kate whose birthday is today so happy birthday mary kate um she, when I told her about this, was like, did you take a picture? She's like, I, I need to I, see this. I know. Yeah. Um, we've uh, gone astray from soccer. <laughs> a little mommy. bit. A little bit. Um, agreed. This album is a nice little surprise. Um, and I like sort of the, the general vibe that she's going for on this album. I wouldn't say I have much in terms of fully baked takes on it sure. yet, to be honest. But I... I agree with the overall sentiment that it, it seems like it's going to be a really nice album to grow on me throughout the year. It, I will. I would recommend continuing to listen because some, some of those melodies really start to reveal themselves. Also, really cool lyrics on here. I wanted to point out a couple of them. One of them is on Scorpio Rising. I think it's a really cool song. This is like kind of a funny line to me. And it's towards the end of the song. She goes, I'm just a victim of changing planets. My Scorpio Rising and my parents. And it's it's this yeah. really funny take on like people put so much stock into the astrological signs. It's like, yeah, maybe that's having an influence, but so are like your parents, this yeah. tangible thing. Nature you know? versus nurture. Yeah, so I thought that was a funny lyric. And then the other thing I wanted to bring up is this sort of reminds me of that first uh, Best Coast record. Hmm. Um, in in some of the, the lyrical qualities here, and, and what I mean by that is that both artists in in lyrics on both those albums they're not they're af- they're not afraid to kind of wear their heart on their sleeve and be a little obvious sometimes which I, I really like and I, I kept thinking I thought about this the first time I heard Last Girl which is one of my favorite tracks on here um, it reminded me so much of Boyfriend by Best Coast because there's this theme on Boyfriend of the other girl's not like me she's prettier and skinnier she has a college degree I dropped out when I was seventeen. On Last Girl, uh, the lyric is going, I want to be like your last girl because she's got looks that drive you all down. Love the way she wears her makeup. She would be so nice to wake up to. She's so sweet and she's so pretty, even more than me. I was like, oh, that's like the kind of the same theme of this. A little bit of self-doubt. Yeah, and there's a lot of those similar kind of themes on this album, which I think is really interesting. And I I don't know. I kind of get a mix of Sydney Gish, Best Coast, some of those younger singer-songwriter projects um, that I, I've really enjoyed over the years. Yeah, that's that's the takeaway I've had is that it feels like a really enjoyable, solid singer-songwriter album. Um, and I can see the Sidney Gish comparison. Um, I feel like it is probably less technical than Sydney Gish. It feels like Sydney oh, yeah. Sydney Gish. There's like licks on that Sydney Gish album. Like really nice like guitar solos. Sydney Gish like shreds. Too. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing that still blows me away. She's like an incredible musician. Yeah. She talked all about her perfect pitch and stuff in yeah. interviews and like how like she can really, really play. Definitely. Um and that's not to say that 
the uh, the person behind Soccer Mommy. Like, dude, I can't even. I really, can't, I really can't say it. I know. I really can't I say know. it. Do you? A little trust tree. I, I I wish this was a different artist name. Me too. I wish it wasn't Soccer Mom. I'd be fine with Soccer Mom. Me too. I'd be like, okay, yeah. That's... What about just Soccer? That's a cool name for a band. Yeah. Soccer. It's like it's like George. I'll give you a great name. Seven. Seven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, like I I don't know. I just struggle to fucking say it. But I know. Anyways. Um, I have no doubt she is a, a a competent musician. It seems like her chops are more in terms of like writing songs. Me- yeah, melody. Um, uh, yeah, melody. Overall vibe. Yeah. Just like it, it's, a, I think, a simpler mm. record based on on sure. the amount I've listened to it so far. Um, but yeah, liking it. I, I I am liking on some level all of these albums mm. that came out this week. Um, Not and, loving any of them though. So far. Uh, Soccer Mommy is the one I feel the most compelled to return to, to be frank. And like, fair enough. I would say Lucy Dacus after that. Then, <sighs> that's the, that's the interesting thing about Titus. It's like I I I actually think that Titus album, if you're just taking face value, yeah, is probably last. Yeah, it's probably like the. I don't know, man, because to me, like Patrick Stickles is so interesting. I know. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I think what I need to do with Camp Cope is is just really try to listen to the lyrics. Yeah. I think I have to, to try yeah. more. And I have done that. I've right. listened as much as I do um, when I listen to albums the first few times. But uh, If I were to rank these, these four albums in terms of how much I've enjoyed them, it would be Soccer Mommy first, Lucy Dacus second, probably Camp Cope third, and then Titus. Okay. Last, but I mean, like Titus and Camp Cope, I think are pretty close. Yeah, I could see that being the way it, it, it shakes out for yeah. me, roughly. Cool. Uh, all right, let's dive in, Jake, to our think piece segment here. Right. Uh, this is a follow up from last week's conversation where we talked about albums that we enjoy a little bit more than the larger musical community seems to enjoy, or right. or enjoy more than the critical reception that they've gotten so just as an example in case you didn't listen to the episode um codes and keys by death cab for cutie is not considered a classic album at all or by that band yet i and i think we both really like that album yeah we talked about kind of the the killers and green day on there The, the, the running theme the through line through those albums in a lot of cases was we bought a physical copy of the album when it came out when we were younger. And as a result, just listen to it enough mm-hmm. that like it became really important mm-hmm. to us. Yep. So what we wanted to do this week is flip it on its head and have a discussion about albums that we don't like as much as maybe we should, given their critical reputation mm-hmm. and the larger uh, fan reputation as well, or fan enjoyment. So Another way to think about it is we don't like them as much as you quote-unquote should. Right. And the with the caveat here that we have made a real honest effort to get into these and have listened multiple times, because there's a lot of albums out there we've only listened to once and haven't really returned to. These we've all listened to, like, multiple times and have really tried. Yeah. Uh, and we have some similarities on here. Let's kick it off with one that we both have, Jake. It's Blood on the Tracks by Bob Dylan. For some reason, this has been the case for years and years and years. We both like this album. Something about it, we it, we don't love it as much as we should. The way I'd word it is like you with some of the there's like a bell curve with this because with Blood on the Tracks, as much as I like it, 
I've I can't like it as much as people say a lot of like the Rolling Stone best albums of all time list has this I think in the top twenty yeah best albums period ever right and like there are Bob Dylan albums that I would just rather listen to than mm-hmm. Blood on the Tracks like we often cite Desire right which is his release that came out after Blood on the Tracks right after yes. or before I always yes, forget if it's after. right right after yep. um. And there are some more the smaller efforts that that Dylan put out that I, I would just sort of rather listen. to. You could argue I like I, I'd be maybe more interested in listening to Nashville Skyline. I was about to say that. And like again, I, when I listen to Blood on the Tracks, I'm like, oh shit, yeah, this album's great. There's great songs on there. There's but really good songs. For some reason, I'm never totally. I've never bought that much Blood on the Tracks. And, stock. and here's here's the deal. It's some it. people's favorite Dylan album. I, I, I know, and, and I think it's a very adult album because it's dealing with like his divorce and I, I think you need maybe need to be a little bit older to yeah. really like love this you know Tangled Up in Blue is an amazing song I've always loved Shelter from the Storm um, Lily Rosemary and the Jack of Hearts is better in theory than it is in practice I think it's a little rambling it's it's one of I think his lesser story songs mm-hmm. okay uh, it's like almost nine minutes long Idiot Wins a Cool Song. There's good songs on here, but I don't know. Like, Simple Twist of Fate, You're a Big Girl Now, If You See Her Say Hello. Like, I, I don't know. Like, there's again, some songs where I'm like, not my favorite Dylan. Again, I like all those songs. Um, yeah, it doesn't, I don't know, for some reason I don't find it as compelling. Because for me, my favorite Dylan is mid-60s Dylan. Right. Like, give me Highway 61, Bring It All Back Home, and Blonde on Blonde all day, every day. Like, that's my favorite Dylan. I like 70s Dylan, but my favorite Dylan will always be that mid-60s And period. you know, to, to wrap up on the Blood on the Tracks conversation, the reason why I like Desire more, I think musically it's more interesting. He brought in the, um, violin yep. on that. And there's like a sense of humor on that album, like Romance in Durango, yeah. or like One More Cup of Coffee, even like Black Diamond Bay, like these are like sort of funny, weird Bob Dylan songs. Isis, even like they're a little less serious. Isis is one of my favorite yeah. Dylan songs. Hurricane, and you get too. Hurricane on there, and like, dude, even Joey, we yeah. we have gotten <laughs> so much joy out of listening to Joey, even though Joey is like the worst song on there. He's worse than anything on Blood on the Tracks <laughs> yes, it is. by like a lot, but it's. Funny. But it's really funny, dude, because it's, it's a like whatever eleven minutes. Yeah, it's way too it's long. It's this bloated. He's going for a story. Not even song. an interesting story. No, it's not that compelling. <laughs> it's it's Hurricane's ugly stepbrother. It is, and it's hilarious. <laughs> and, and, and the chorus is just Joey, <laughs> Joey. It's like, dude, like <laughs> it's not it's not great. I don't know. And then the the verses are just like. Also not compelling. And no, there's no. like 10 of them. And then I will say, though, on the end of Desire, Sarah is yeah. a gut-wrenching, heartbreaking song, which is kind of the apt- aftermath of, of Blood on the Tracks. Yep. is like the divorce. But yeah, something about Blood on the Tracks. I don't know. It's Maybe it's a little self-serious. Yeah. Um, I think it might be. It also has the weight of being an important, capital I, important yeah. album. Yeah. And um, if you'd... A lot of times what happens, and there's, I think this is a theme throughout these lists that we have here, if you know going into an album, listen, this is an important yeah. album. Quote, unquote, this is one of the best albums of all time, and you don't connect with it in the first few listens, it can start to feel like a disconnect or like... You're like, what's wrong with me? Yeah, what, what, yeah. what's wrong with, with, with my taste? Right, exactly. Here's another example. Yeah. Um, 
for me, we both had this. For you, you two. Um, yeah. Especially the Joshua Tree. Mm-hmm. Octung Baby we have on here, too. I haven't given that one that many tries. I've tried like three, four times with it. I've, I've listened, well, maybe in that ballpark. Of, of one is times. an all-time great song. I love One. Yeah, I, and I've always been low on One. Okay. I've always okay, felt that enough. One is not even close to my favorite U2 song. Okay. Um, the Joshua Tree, again, there's some undeniable shit on here. Like the first side. Um, uh, oh my god, it's loaded. Which is, what is it? With or, with or without you. Um, Still haven't found what I'm looking for. Where the streets have no name. Yeah. All of the stuff that were you think when you two became that band. Right. And it's like, you they almost became a cliche. Right. Like there's music that that is like um, royalty free music. Like ringtone music, yeah, yeah, that is that is just ripping off this sound <laughs> right. of like echo and delay loop yes. drenched guitar, yeah, and like slow moving build. Like there's there's stuff there's so much music a whole industry of music has yeah. been made ripping Muzak. off yeah. this sound yeah, um, and it's amazing. I never ever ever want to listen to this album. Well, here's the thing: I, I like all of the singles on this album well enough. I think it's boring other than the singles. I gotta be honest. I how don't do you give feel a about, shit. How do you feel about Bullet the Blue Sky? I don't even really know how that goes. That one is, it's like on this album, if there's four big hits, that's like the fifth okay. almost hit. Okay. It's like the it's the one that if you listen to classic rock radio a lot, yeah. you would know that Yogi, song. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, we both had that on our list. Here, here's another one for me that over the years I've just kind of finally thrown in the towel and admitted to myself that I don't love these. It's Tommy by The Who and The Who Sell Out by The Who. I I used to love The Who when I was in high school, and I don't ever want to listen to them now. Ever. Ever. I don't know why. It's not fair. I know those are both really good albums. I just never want to listen to them, and I don't like them as much as you do or other people do. Yeah, I um, I probably with The Who Sells... Actually, with both of these, I would have been able to agree... As recently as a year and a half ago, yeah. Um, but there was one summer recently where I got much more into both these albums. Mm-hmm. Uh, for I don't even know what reason, mm-hmm. just for some reason. Yeah, I think we've both always been really in on who's next. Um, oh but, yeah. But with these two albums, I, I agreed. I mean, especially with the who sells out, mm. where I was like, ah, eh, I don't know about about this. Yeah. And like if, if <laughs> yeah. you read the like the sleeve, the little booklet that comes with the who sell out. Um, the, I think the person who you know sometimes they'll have a writer like yeah. like sort of comment on the yeah. album. I think one of them called it. They called it like the the pinnacle of psychedelic music or something. Oh, right, like the best psychedelic album. And I was just like, it's not close. And that <laughs> right. used to bother me. Yeah, because the thing with the Who, and I think a problem that many people have with them, and that if I'm not in the right mood, I can have too, is like they feel a little bit too lightweight up mm-hmm. until Who's Next, mm-hmm. and they feel a little bit like. Well, like it's almost like with the who, it's like, well, if you guys don't fucking care, why should I? Because right. you're writing these songs that are like, like fucking commercial yeah, jingles. They're commercial jingles. Like, are you even taking it seriously? Yeah. Why should I? Like, yeah. I'm not going to get invested in Oderono. That's not interesting to me. I it has grown more interesting to me. Okay, because I have been won over by just Pete Townsend's general songcraft. Okay, it, it, there was I don't know what happened, dude, but if I had this listen to the Who sell out, where I was like, oh. Like I kind of get all these songs I never yeah, liked for yeah. some reason it just clicked. Fair enough. Here's Fair here's enough. one here's one where it's gonna be mostly on me. Okay. Um, Bruce Springsteen in general. Okay. Uh, I I really 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 like Born to Run and Darkness on the Edge of Town. I do. Um, I think they're amazing albums and I truly think they're they're like they're genius. But 
I, if I'm being honest with myself and I totally am admitting what I know I always feel about Bruce Springsteen, it's that just in general, as good as he is, I can it, it doesn't connect with me the same way. It yeah. comes close. And I've yeah. had listens of Born to Run and Darkness on the Edge of Town where I'm like, okay, like I feel like I'm getting it. Yeah. But, but I know this much. When you're listening to music, you shouldn't have to be thinking like, no. oh, like, I get no, it now. No, you shouldn't. No, and it, no. And, 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 and that's a sign, if anything, that it's not totally resonating with you the right way. Bruce is such an interesting one. And I think this is actually the case a lot of the time with people is they're like, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. For me... It's Nebraska in particular that I don't like as much as other people seem to. The people say Nebraska is their favorite Bruce Springsteen album. And I I recently re-listened again. I was like, come on, Sean. And it was the same thing. I was like, oh, I think I'm, oh, Jim, I don't know. <laughs> and I, no, I don't. Did I, he get it? I don't. Did he get it, Jim? Ooh, <laughs> I, I, no, he didn't. It's close. <laughs> it's going to be close. <laughs> Tony Romo in the building. And... Uh, yeah, I, the answer is no on that. And I think that's the case. It's kind of the case with The River, Tunnel of Love to an extent. There's a lot of Springsteen where I'm like, I like parts. I don't love it. Born to Run, Darkness on the Edge of Town are amazing. They're some of my favorite albums of all time. But yeah, I think Bruce is one where sometimes it just doesn't always stick. So I, I, I understand that. That's fair enough. Here's one that I think would probably apply for both of us. And I think is one that I, I don't like to admit. But I think it's one of the ones where the bell curve of this kind of comes into effect. And it, it's Sgt. Pepper yeah. by the Beatles, um, which feels like the most silly thing to have to add. Sgt. Pepper. It's <laughs> right. like, everyone's like, oh, I wonder who that's by. Um, because, like, okay, Sgt. Pepper has this reputation as, in many people's eyes, the like the best album of all time. Right. And the, that's what Rolling Stone deemed it. That's right. what like, a lot of lists have deemed it. I think there's been some... History rev- revision where people say actually Revolver's better, right. actually Revolver and Rubber Soul are better, or and the Abbey White Road and the White yeah. Album, and that's kind of my point is that I like all those albums more, Me too. and I'd rather listen to those albums more. And as great as Sgt. Pepper is, as important as important as it was for its time, as many good songs and ideas and interesting sonic experimentations as there are on Sgt. Pepper. Um, it's not even my favorite Beatles album. No, it's not in the top five. Right, it's not my favorite Beatles album. So how can I? How can it possibly live up to its grand right. reputation? It doesn't. Is it? I think we've talked about this many times on the podcast. Is it just dated at this point? Is that the problem? I think of all the Beatles music, it has aged the worst. Okay, I because agree. it's like that and Mystery Tour, but Mystery yeah. Tour has, has less has weight the on songs, it. and it has the songs. I think Pepper has the songs. It's just with Pepper, there's so much fucking weight to it. Yeah, everyone yeah, deems that's true. it important. Like, dude, that track for track, I like all those songs. There's not. A- oh no, I do too. What I mean by it has the songs on Mystery Tour is like you are gonna pick out "I Am the Walrus," "Strawberry Fields," "Hello Goodbye," etc. You're not really gonna pick. What are you picking out on right. on Pepper? Right, and that's the thing with Pepper is like there's not. It, it's on a singles album. No, it's an album's it's an album. Album's album. Yeah, and. I think the best, like my favorite Beatles albums, work both ways. Like yeah. with Revolver, yeah, I can listen to like any of those songs yeah. anytime. Yeah. Pop on 100%. for no one. Put on I'm Only Sleeping. Yeah. Put on Tomorrow Never Knows. Like I'd love to hear those. Yeah. With Sgt. Pepper, it's like if you put on uh, even Fixing a Hole, which is one of my favorite songs in the album, or like uh, Lovely Rita. Mm-hmm. 
I am immediately brought to this place of like, oh, this is a Pepper song. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. That's just how I view it. Me too. It's yeah. actually this really weird thing in their catalog it, where yeah, I can't view it except for what it is. Even like Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, which I think is maybe one that people would be like, oh, you pick that up. I, it's the same thing. I'm like, oh, I'm in Pepper mode now. Yeah, and Lucy is one of my like least favorite of the John psychedelic songs. Yeah, yeah, give yeah, give yeah, me yeah. Strawberry Fields and Walrus over 100%, that. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Every time uh, and. My last point about Pepper is that actually, with a little help from my friends, has grown on me over time. Believe yeah. it or not. I used okay. to like it a lot less. Okay. But it's grown on me. Uh, a few rap ones here, Jake. Uh, we have some overlap. Kanye West, The College Dropout. We yeah. both had that on our list. You could even make a, an argument for 808s here, too. Oh, you could. Definitely. Definitely. But I, I, I've heard people classify College Dropout as their favorite Kanye album and the best Kanye album. I fundamentally disagree with that. It's probably my least favorite. It, it's, again, it's sort of like the Dylan thing where it's like, this. it's not my favorite Kanye. Right. Not, hashtag not my Kanye. Yeah. As much as I like re- Late Registration, and I really do like that album... Give me the blown out mm. craziness mm-hmm. of of um of my beautiful dark twisted fantasy any day yeah. over this early soul uh, sampling and that's blasphemy to certain people yeah absolute it, blasphemy it might be but like I think those are the people who had stock in Kanye early oh one hundred percent and it's like. I got into Kanye around 2009, 2010. Right. So when when Twisted Fantasy came out, I was like, "Shit, this is this is my Kanye. This right. is like the, my this is gonna right. be my favorite stuff." Right. I uh, agree with you on College Dropout. A few more rap ones here, and this is one we've talked about a lot on the podcast, or at least I have. Is all of Run the Jewels just doesn't yeah. really do it for me. Everyone else loves them more than I do. I don't really have anything else to say other than I just don't like them as much as other people do. And then. You had another rap one on here, Jake. Yeah, I've um, Ready to Die by Notorious B.I.G., where that's an album that I bought in high school. I bought the yeah. CD of this album, um, and like, I really like Juicy and all the, like, the sort of the, the, the hits you hear from, from Biggie. I've always loved his flow. I think he is an amazing rapper. I, I guess what it comes down to for me is like I... As much as this album's reputation sort of precedes it and it's considered this classic, I... I could never really get into it. Yeah. I never wanted to listen to the full album. It's pretty long. Yeah. And it's also like, I don't know if 90s rap is my thing. No. And I, I have never listened to this because of your take on it. I trust that... I, I really think I would have the same reaction to it. I think I have even less patience for that 90s rap than you do. I really just don't care. I don't want to listen to it. I know for an almost mortal lock fact, you would feel <laughs> yes, the same way that's why I've just never as, listened. as I do. Never listened to it. Um... Here's an interesting one for you, Sean. That yeah. I, I wonder if I don't know if I saw it on your list, but I'm sure you'd think it if you listen to it. Yeah, Thriller by Michael Jackson. Yeah. So um, I've never listened to this all the way through, or if I have, it's just been one time. It would probably be the same take for me. Well, it's like with Thriller, um, the song Thriller, the song uh, Beat It, Billie Jean. Um, even I'm trying to remember the first track on the album, but there, there's some undeniable ones. Mm-hmm. But there's also like, for me, I, I have a hard, for me, <laughs> I have a hard time sometimes getting over the on some of the songs the clunky, over the top '80s production yeah. of it. And look, the, if you want to talk about blasphemy, dude, there are some people who will defend this fucking album. Oh and, yeah, and, oh, and yeah. Jacko yeah. in general. Yeah, um, I get the feeling that I'd be more into Off the Wall. Um, which which is the album that has Man in the Mirror. Men in the Mirror is later. That's like, I think that's either bad or the one right after bad. I think it is bad. Um, 
I love that song. It's a good song. I so you know the song "Don't Stop Till You Get Enough." Yeah, that's on off the wall. Okay, okay. And it's it's like when Michael Jackson. It's the album before the album. Okay. It's Revolver gotcha. before Sgt. Gotcha. Pepper. Gotcha, gotcha. And I think that in the theme of Revolver, I would, yeah. I, I just have a feeling, and I've listened to it a couple times. I think I like it more. Like, okay, here's an example. On Thriller, there's the song "The Girl Is Mine." Yeah. Which on paper I should be all about because Paul McCartney's featured on it. Right. It's like. One of the corniest, cringiest yeah, songs I've ever heard. Yeah, it's just them like, like no, Michael, like she's like, like they're just arguing about this oh, girl. Yeah, it's, it's very dated in terms of like how relationships work, <laughs> right? And it's just the the production is dated and corny, <laughs> right. and the lyrics are like fucking dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> they're like it's like true schmaltzy dog shit. Yeah, I, I yeah. think <laughs> the lyric is the girl is mine. The doggone girl is mine. Oh, yeah, I've heard that song. And they like sing it back and yeah. forth. And at the end, Mike, Paul's like, you know, Michael, I told you, you know, I, she told me that she was my forever lover. And it's like they just fucking <laughs> like argue. It, dude, it's really weird. They have like the nicest ever argument oh, over the mic. That's, that sounds terrible. So, yeah, Thriller has never lived up, in my no. opinion, as a full album. A uh, couple other ones for me uh, Pavement. Both Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain, and Slanted and Enchanted have never been able to get into that. And then really any acclaimed Beastie Boys album. That includes License to Ill, Paul's Boutique, etc. Something about rap rock I do not like. Um, the Both of these would have been on my list like two, three years ago. They changed in a big way. I, lo- I really like Paul's Boutique. I love Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain. I know Rain. you do. And I really like Slanted and Enchanted I, at this I point. I think... I think it, it's funny because I think these are albums you like. Don't even believe I like. No, I do, and I, I am actually coming around in a way where I'm like, you know what? If you go back and really give these a try, you're probably gonna like them. Yeah, I think I might. Um, I, I I do believe that you like. Okay, them. I do. Okay. I do. Because sure. I know, I, and part of this comes back to that feeling of like when everyone's all in on an album, and I'm about to talk yeah. about one that's on both of our lists. Yeah. Um. And you you listen to it and you're not it's not registering with you. You're like people are fucking faking it. Yes, people are just saying it to be yeah. cool. An album where I still have not gotten over that is Daydream Nation by Sonic Youth. I, thank you. This one's on my list too. I this is definitely more of a indicator of coolness than it is you actually love this album. Yeah, like dude, it, it's it, oh perfect example for me that should have been on this list. And I guess if you're going to do it with the rule that you have to have tried a lot of times, yeah. it might not qualify. I need to give this album more of a, a chance or these albums. Joy Division in general. Yeah, I was going to put Unknown Pleasures on here. That's on here for me, dude. Yeah. Because like, I've listened to it a couple times yeah. and every time I'm like, uh, not really doing it for me. Don't find it that interesting. All time great album cover. Amazing. And this is going to sound really jaded. But it's a really cool poster or T-shirt. So cool and so I th- cool. I think that it behooves people mm-hmm. um, to like this album, like Sonic Youth. Again, this comes across the wrong way because <laughs> it's like what you. I was just saying about pavement, where you don't want to be on the receiving end yeah. of like you don't really like it. You just like yep. it to sound cool. So I guess I take it back. But yeah. I, I will say that like. I've tried getting into Unknown Pleasures because I'm like, I kind of want that album cover I in know, my collection. I know, yeah. And yeah. I am someone who doesn't, I like. I wouldn't want to have the album. I will say, I think, um, I, I've listened to that album probably like 10 times. I did have a nice little run where I was like, okay, 
I, I get I get why this is good. Shadow plays a great song. Um, but is that is that disorder? En- is that enough to carry it? No, it's not like all time great. It's not like one of my all time favorites. It's also not on this list though. I right, thought about yeah. it, but I was like, no, you like it a little bit more than to put it on this list. Okay. Um, uh, another one for me. Yeah, we both had Sonic Youth. Uh, how about this, Jake? This, this is blasphemous as well. Pink Floyd, both The Wall and Dark Side of the Moon. I, I don't know. I just, I don't like it. I don't like either as much as they are billed. I, I feel bad about Dark Side of the Moon. I do like it. I yeah. do like it. I almost didn't put Dark Side of the Moon on here. But as acclaimed and as popular as it is, I don't feel it. I, I had to include it here. Yep. What, what am I missing? Um, so Trust Tree, I've never listened to The Wall all the way through okay. because it's so long. It's long. I love Pink Floyd's run from uh, Dark Side to Wish You Were Here and Animals. I love those three albums. Um, I had a, a really good run with all of those a few years ago, and, I, and it's continued for me. With, with Dark Side, I think what's happening probably to you with that album is that it's not only is the reputation so big, but it's like a lot of these songs are such classic rock staples. Right. Like you hear time, right? Or money, money, or uh, us and them. Yeah. Really, this whole album yeah. is stuff that you've. It's been in the background of your life for so long. It's hard to think of it as an album. I know. And uh, I don't know if I had a breakthrough with that or something at some point or what. But eventually, this album like made sense. I think what it is is like of all the Pink Floyd albums. This is the one for me that is the most just comforting. I can just sort of throw mm. this on. Mm-hmm. I find it easy to listen to. Okay. Um, and it, like like uh, "Great Gig in the Sky" is an example of like a really cool song where it's yeah. Gilmore doing this beautiful just like pedal steel stuff with um, that female vocalist yeah. just erupting that, uh, at the yeah. end of it. Um, I, I think it. I think it's hard to contextualize. It's yeah. one of those albums. It's like Thriller, maybe. Right. Where right, it's like right. you know, or Joshua Tree. Right. Where if maybe you're not totally, I always, I feel like I've always liked Floyd a little more than than you. Yeah, have. I think that's just the case. in general. I think that's definitely the case. Like Springsteen for you, you yeah, like him a yeah, little yeah, more yeah, than yeah, I yeah. do. Yeah, I think we can both appreciate things about Agreed. them. Agreed. Um, and with Floyd, I think maybe that's just what it comes down to. Is I'm like I actually am just more interested in hearing those songs. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, mm-hmm. Maybe that's no. Wrong. I, I think that's definitely the case. I'm gonna really give it an honest effort with Dark Side of the Moon. Okay. And and, and report back <laughs> next next week on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. What what else do you have, Jake? Um, th- I actually think I got my list out of the way. I think I've done my list. Oh, no, I have one more. Yes. Um, my biggest one, th- actually, this is a big one, is uh, Funhouse by the Stooges. Um, as much as I don't like to admit it, and th- again, Stooges are another example of a band that it is very, very cool to like. And it, it yeah. adds a lot to your music listening cachet. A lot of cachet. If you can say, like, oh, I'm a Stooges fan. Yeah. Oh, you're right. I have another one after yep. this. Um. That being said, I, I've given this album a, a real honest effort. I've yeah. really tried with it. I've tried with Stooges in general. Um, there's just something about it. Like I, I love TVI. I like yep. a lot of the moments on this album. I like the energy and what it represents in music more than I've ever liked the album. Yeah, um, yeah. And I feel bad saying it because it, it seems like something I would like. Right. Um, and that's that's gonna be like the most painful disconnect in music. I know. When you like I know. Are all in on the imagery. And what an album represents, and what it means in the history of music, and then you listen, and it's just like, huh, this per- isn't all there for me. Perfect example for me. It's the other one I have on my list. Music from Big Pink by the band. I'm like, yes, I love Dylan. I love this whole '60s scene. I was like, I should love this album. I don't. 
I don't. I've tried many times over the years when I was like 15, when I was 17, again, like a year or so ago. I was like, nah, I nah, I can't do it. I like the band better in theory than I like them as yeah. a, a, an album artist as well. And I've tried with both music from Big Pink um, and with their, I think it's a self-titled, self-titled album. Yeah. The, the one with the brown cover. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think the story of the band and how interesting the different members of the band are mm-hmm. is better in some cases than the full-length albums. Yep. Um, I agree with you. I've put on music from Big Pink and I've listened to it a handful of times. It, it, same thing. Yeah. I, it, I and I don't like admitting it. And yeah. that's the sign that it should be on this list is that I want I want to be able to be like, yeah, I love music from Big Pink. Right. I can't say that in good right. conscience. Right. It's um, tough. Here's another one for me. What's going on by Marvin Gaye? Um, yeah, it is on that Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Albums of All Time list at like number six. Yeah, it's high. Um, and again, it, it comes back to that thing of like, I appreciate what Marvin's doing here. I think he's like obviously a world class talent, yeah. amazing singer, and what he was doing for like the civil rights movement yeah. and as a social activist, I find really interesting. The song "What's Going On" is awesome. amazing. Um, and this might be an example of like, hey, dude, uh, you're not the target audience <laughs> because right. the rest of the album plays. And I'm like, OK, like, I think I'm latching on to some mm-hmm. of this. I think I get some of this. But it's like, it's not totally for me. Okay, and again, you shouldn't have to like force it. You yeah. shouldn't have to ask yourself, am I am I loving this? And every exactly. And every time there are moments where I'm like, yeah, like, this is really cool. And maybe if I really, really listened a lot. It would happen for me, but it never has. No, I, I like Marvin Gaye more as individual songs than, yeah. than that album. Because I've, I've listened to that album once, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm not, I'm not loving this." Uh, last couple for me, I have "Let It Bleed" by the Rolling Stones. I do really like this album. It's just, it's never the Stones album I want to listen to. Yeah, I would say that of that, we talk a lot about the Big Four yeah. that came out between '68 and '72. This is the second of those after "Beggar's Banquet," before "Sticky Fingers" and "Exile." On this list, I think this is probably the weakest full album, which I, I think yes. a lot of people would disagree with strongly. I think a lot of people would maybe say Beggar's Banquet is, which I disagree with. But I'd rather listen to Beggar's Me Banquet. Me too. And then the last one I have on here is definitely maybe by Oasis. And this might seem like a weird pick. This album is so acclaimed by certain people. They, they call it one of the best albums of the 90s, the best Oasis album. People lose their shit for definitely maybe. I went out and bought this album, bought it at Newberry Comics after I had just gotten into What's a Story, Morning Glory. And the first three songs are great Rock and Roll Star, Shaker Maker, Live Forever, and then Supersonic a little bit later. Dude, they're just swinging for the fucking fences on those song titles. They are, yes. And then there's another one called Cigarettes and Alcohol, of course. This. It's something about Oasis. I don't love Oasis. Well, dude, like the Gallaghers are pricks. They're, they're assholes. But- Although, I will say. Uh, you know that over-under segment Pitchfork does? Yeah. Did you see Noel Gallagher's? No. I can't even imagine. Dude, he's he's really, really funny. Is His he? accent is funny. Yeah, and yeah. And he'll, he'll be talking like one of them was just books. And he was like, people who write fucking books are idiots. <laughs> and he's like, he's like they'll, you'll, be, you'll be walking into a bookstore. He's like, you'll see a fucking book. And it's called The, 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 the Sexuality of the Homosexual Giraffe. And you ask somebody, like, what's this book about? They go, oh, it's about drug addicts. He's like, well, what the fuck is that title? Dude, he, and he goes, that's really funny. He hates everything. I know he does. And he's I know talking he does. about, like, one of the ones they ask about his mustache. He's like, the mustache must always be questioned. <laughs> 
And he's like, the full beard, that's one thing. Because it's like, I can't be asked. He's like, but the mustache, it, it's, it, he's like, it's no good. Dude, he's, he's really, really fucking he's funny. He's so, as big of pricks as they both are, there's something about them that I, I sort of like. I think Ben Gibbard was talking about it on the Pete Holmes interview. He's like, you know, it's sort of funny. It's true. It's like, and dude, they're such assholes. They you are. almost have to respect it. And it's just the way they talk. Yeah. Like, dude, in this yeah. interview, there's one they ask him about driverless cars. And he's like, it's fucking stupid. <laughs> he's like, they'll, they'll have pilotless fucking planes next. <laughs> I love this guy. Like, dude, he's really, really, funny. really funny. And then at the end, they ask him about... Someone who he thinks is an asshole, and he's like, I'd take, he's like, I'd take that guy and my fucking brother. He's like, and put them in a driverless car each and let them crash into each other. That's hilarious. Yeah, it is really That's fun. really funny. Part of me thinks it's shtick. Yeah, I think it is. And, yeah, and it's working. Because they for know, him, man. they like yeah. know what they're they're considered. So, so I stepped on no, here. No, no, that's maybe. okay. Because that's honestly that's what you want to talk about with Oasis is yeah. how crazy those dudes yeah. are. Uh, but yeah, definitely maybe is I, I like Morning Glory more, and I don't even like that that much. Uh, I have never listened to the full thing. It's it's good. I like Champagne Supernova. I really I like Wonderwall less than that, and I I like Don't Look Back in Anger maybe best. That's the one that I, Noel sings, right? Uh, I don't know who sings. I have no idea. I, I can't that, tell them apart. I think what it was is Noel Gallagher wrote the okay. songs and Liam sang most of them. Okay. Except I think Noel sings Don't Look Back in Anger. Okay, that's a that's an amazing. I think it's my favorite Oasis song. Is it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that wraps up our conversation, listeners. What are some albums that you don't like as much as you feel like you should? Maybe mm-hmm. it's some of the ones that we love and, and you have can, talked about. You can come under the shelter of the trust tree, trust tree. unless you pick an album that we love. <laughs> And, and then you're cast out. In which case, the trust tree will will come unrooted and will it will grow <laughs> arid, wither and die, and wither and die, and you'll you will you'll be ridiculed <laughs> under the hot sun of our judgment. Not really, not really. Uh, before we get to re- release radar, Jake, and sign off, I, I had an idea for trim the fat. We haven't done one of these in a while. Um, I had an idea. A slight variation on it. Instead of cutting albums down to be like 45 minutes or 50 minutes or whatever, we 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 change it a little bit to pick albums that would be improved by eliminating just one song. I like. I think idea. this would be interesting. It is still kind of trimming the fat, but it's like it. This album would be markedly improved if you eliminated a single track. Maybe we can both come to the table with one next week where it's like this. Album goes from like an eight out of ten to a ten out of ten if, if it doesn't have this song. one song. Okay, yeah. I think we yeah. can do that. I okay. like that, and I think that we can still do the OG trim the fat at some point. Yeah, but absolutely. I think, it's, it's, yes. I think it, it is a good idea to have it be both ways because like some albums could stand from trimming that are just like thirty five minutes, forty minutes. Right. Like you could do a right. little better. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, let's both have one for next week, and then to to wrap up, Jake, release radar. The only album, I mean, there's a David Byrne album coming out. I've never really listened to him. I don't really care. There's this Young Fathers album called Coco Sugar. Um, I enjoyed the Young Fathers album that came out, what was it, 2015, I think? Oh, yeah. Is that um, some, uh, what's it called? Some White Men or Black Men too? Yeah. White Men or Black Men too. Yeah, it came out in 2015. I liked that album. I did too. That was like a cool little under the radar yeah. album that I never totally committed to being like, oh, I'm all in on right. this, but I always generally liked right. it. Right. And, and I don't even know if I'm going to listen to this new Young Fathers album. But, I think I will based on that. But it's like, you know, it, it's out there. We yeah. out here. We out here? We out here. Uh, so yeah, other than that, it's a slower, slower week. I think 
the week after this one, there's more coming though, and definitely that first week of April. Okay, there's there's some heat coming, but really quick, and this is totally a tangent, but it's March, and mm-hmm. I was thinking earlier, is March the like weirdest month name, or at least the one that seems the least like the name of a month? Um, to me, it always has been. March. I would say May would be second. Found out about April, so she chose to mock. <laughs> Damn, Damn another broken heart. Um, GAT in the Pathfinder. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it probably is. I think it probably I is. I think it's the one that sounds the least like a month to me. Yeah. March. Trojan in my pocket. Matt Liner. <laughs> GAT in the Pathfinder. Who is that? Is that Pusha T? I don't know which I one it is. Pusha. I think it is Pusha T. I think it Another is. awesome lyric on that album is the Mother Goose. <laughs> in, in bed with Mother Goose. Yeah. yeah the yeah, way yeah. that rappers is Goose. I think that's Pusha T as well. Dude, Pusha T. Pusha brings heat on that album. Yeah, he does. That Dude, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. So Such a clap. I'm going to listen to that soon. Yeah. It's been a long yeah. time. Yeah. I listen to that about like once every couple months, probably. Really? Yeah. It's been a while yeah. for me now. It's so good. But probably 10 years. Jake, it hasn't been out that long. Eight years. So not quite Almost. 10. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways, that is episode 111. We will see you next week. Thanks, folks. I had a question for you. Yeah, let's <clears> go. <throat> um, what does it mean to be in like four four time, or like how do you how can you tell what time signature a song is in? For example, okay, uh, like that song's Ohio, like one of those songs. It has that super slow like bluesy drum beat. You know yeah. the one that's on like since I've been loving you yep. or like some of those songs. Like what is that? It's like. Yeah, I think that's in wall. That's like either six eight or three four. So the way you tell is, like, take a song like, um, the one that comes to mind is "Babies in Black," mm-hmm. um, where if you feel the beat on it, if if you count it, sometimes I have a hard time telling the difference between three four and six eight. But if you do "Babies in Black," it's like, oh dear, what can I do? And under that, you're hearing one two three, one two three, okay. one two three, one two three. So it's in three mm-hmm. or it might be in six you can also argue that that's six mm-hmm. eighth notes four four is like the most common time signature so if a song mm-hmm. is like um uh i mean i guess to use the beatles again like i want to hold your hand if it was like uh oh yeah i do three four one two three four boom two three four mm-hmm. if you like feel the beat in the background okay. it's basically counting the number of beats in mm-hmm. a measure okay so it's like you have to kind of Feel it. Okay. Um, okay. That, since I've been loving you, I think is in 6 8. Or, okay. it could, some blues is in 12 8, which I is like, yeah. I, I don't like fully get. But that's how I, I I'm, I'm not great at telling time. So, like, usually drummers are the people who have to be able to, like, yeah. Basically, my whole question was whatever that really slow, kind of slowed down, like, Bluesy drum beat is, is yeah. awesome. Yeah, I love it. And so, like, uh, 
time signature and tempo are like distinct. Mm -hmm. So you can do you could do any time signature slow, and you could do any time gotcha, signature fast. Gotcha. Okay. So you could do three, four really quick. Okay. Like you could be like one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two. Like gotcha. you could do it okay. fast or yeah. slow. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I think a lot of blues, like twelve bar blues, I think uses twelve eight time. I I, I like a lot of that stuff is like a little over my head. Like, mm -hmm. but um. But here you are talking like you know. Yeah, so. well, I know some basics. I know some basics. <laughs> John, you fucking ask, yeah, dude. Yeah, well, and sometimes, it, sometimes <laughs> it can escape you. Like, like uh, Pink Floyd, money is in seven. There's okay. it's seven uh, eight or seven four. Okay. And if you count behind that, do 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 right do, right do, do do do. If you count the beats, it's one two three four yep. five six seven one yep. two three. So it's like okay. You, okay. you have to, it's sort of just like it gets a little mathy, dude. In some, yeah. like that's what, when math rock, right? Like a lot of times, that is the manipulation of different time signatures. Yeah, like Rush, right, fucking song right, right, like right. Y Y Z, right? They'll use like a highly irregular time signature. Like I think that song's in ten eight, yeah. which is weird. It's like because right. it's an irregular number of beats per measure, so it's it gives it an off kilter feel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, like fifteen step is in five four. Okay. So yeah, basically, I just wanted to know if there was a a specific name for kind of that since I've been loving you um, slowed down bluesy feel because I want to find more songs like that and I've been able to like you know what Time Fighter by Lucy Dacus is sort of like that it has that like bluesy kind of slog to it almost yeah so uh, like On the Beach is kind of like that too okay so Since I've Been Loving You is in 12-8 okay which Means there are twelve eighth notes in a measure, okay. In that song, so I'd have to like hear it. But if you and I assume that the song is it songs Ohio that yeah, you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I th if it sounds like since I've been loving you, it probably is in that. Okay. And that's a really common blues okay. time signature. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, yeah, I've been I've been liking that. Uh, cool. Well, that that kind of answers my question. I'm trying to figure out how you count that. I don't know. I'd have to. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, but yeah, I think it's twelve eighth. Interesting. Anyways, um, I didn't expect the time signature conversation. No, no, yeah, and usually I don't like care about that, but that was like the best way I could identify the feel of songs like that. Yeah, you know, like they're they're more than just like like because you could have a blues song that's not like that. Yeah, and I was trying to like look at playlists on Spotify of like blues rock and stuff, and I was like. Yeah, this is all like it was like Hendrix and like all this other stuff that I, like I know. I was like, but it's not like what I'm looking for, you yeah, know. Like right. I, I can only think of like a few songs that really have that like that specific vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah time signature is fascinating, dude, and like people can get way, way into yeah. it. And it's interesting what'll come up from songwriters who like uh, like you, for example, like if you're in Rush or and you're in like fucking some really technical mathy band. I feel like those bands, they're trying to fuck with it. They're trying to, like, mm -hmm. put songs in weird times. Mm -hmm. But, like, John Lennon would write songs in odd time signatures without meaning to. Yeah. Like, he just wrote weird. Yeah. He wasn't, like, he didn't have a conventional brain for that stuff. So, like, Happiness is a Warm Gun. It took them, like, I think over 50 takes to mm. get all the... Because they change it changes time a bunch of different parts. Right. Or in different time signatures. Right. So, like, they right. had to, like, really practice to get that all done. Yeah, um, hmm. but I think what you're speaking to mostly is tempo and time signature. Yeah, yeah. So it's like yeah. it, a, probably a really really slow twelve eight mm -hmm. is probably what you're okay okay referring to. Cool, very cool. So you know, kind of an expert. Since yeah, I had it to, sounds like it. Seems like especially it. Especially since I had to look it up. Right. 
I yeah, like Google it. And it. I just accepted the first answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do with Tom Signature. Um, uh, so, yeah. Uh, that that um, brings up another interesting thought that I've been having, too, that information is so readily available and easy to find. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it's A, overwhelming, and B, makes you not even want to look it up because it's... Like almost too easy. It is too easy. Yeah, it's exactly. like, well, why even do that? Well, like, it's, it's like I, I might as well already know. I'll try to challenge myself. A lot of times, and actually, I'll do it with time signature a lot, where I try to train my ear to be better at it. Where mm. I'll listen to a song, I'll be like, okay, don't immediately look it up. Mm-hmm. Try to count it mm-hmm. and see if you can figure out what it is. It, lot, a lot of times, I'll be like close but wrong. It has taken away the fun of certain things. It's taken. It has taken away the fun of not knowing. Basically, yeah, right, is that information overload? The, well, but the fun and frustration. Yeah, because sometimes, Correct. like, remember back in the day, when it would be like, "What's the name of that song?" Uh, or who sings that song? Right. I can't think of. It's like, oh well, I don't know, and maybe we'll never know. Right. Because yeah. unless I hear it on the radio, right, or I'll have to wait till the internet's invented, right, and then I'll know. That I'll remember. That's true. Because like for years, you'd be like, "Oh, how's that song that go- that's like." You know, like if you're trying to think of Fast Car by Tracy Chapman or something. Yeah. Like, what's that one that's like, Fast Car? It's like, you can't look it up. Right, right. You know, it's like, right. I, like, I don't know. Maybe no one you know right. knows what song that is either. No, it's so true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm happy to not have to deal with that. Oh, me too. Me too. For sure. For sure. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. You ready to dive in? Yeah, I don't think I had anything. I, w- uh, I don't have anything. No? No. No? Okay. That was, that was fulfilling for me anyways. Good, yeah, good, a little good, talk good, about, good. about, about uh, meter. Great. Time signature. Yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. Uh, okay, let's dive in here. Uh, three, two, one. 